Section 2 of The Black Cat, Volume 1, Number 1, October 1895. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Black Cat, Volume 1, Number 1, October 1895, Section 2, The Unturned Trump by Barnes McGregor. The ferryboat Rappahannock had an experience in the winter of 1873 that will never be forgotten by any of her passengers. During one of her regular trips between New York and Brooklyn, this boat suddenly quitted her respectable, though somewhat monotonous, career and became a common tramp without port or destination. The day awoke in fog such as the oldest inhabitant had never seen. The East River was blocked with ice and soon became a shrieking bedlam of groping and bewildering craft whose pilots could scarcely see their hands before their faces. At half-past nine the Rappahannock left Brooklyn, well laden with passengers, and started on her customary trip almost directly across the river, a very short and unusually easy voyage. Even before reaching the middle of the stream, however, the ice and fog had thrown her completely out of her course. Back and forth, up and down stream, the pilot vainly groped amid the shrieking whistles, ringing of fog bells, and loud crashes of ice boulders, until, in the confused clangor, he had entirely lost his bearings. When, after long and perilous battling with ice jams and many hairbreadths escape from collisions, he suddenly sighted the landing place on the New York side, he found it occupied by a sister boat which had been driven there to avoid destruction. He backed out, only to be lost again, and for three hours this boat, now become a mere tramp, wandered aimlessly up and down the East River with its load of excited passengers, whose emotions ranged anywhere between the rage and impatience of the belated Wall Street speculator, to whom the delay might mean a loss of $50,000, to the hysteria of a nervous little woman who had left her baby alone at home, and who begged the other helpless passengers for the love of heaven to help her set her feet once more on land. Between these two extremes of impatience and excitement was a small proportion of passengers who remained calm, even endeavoring to while away the time by exchanging pleasantries and making wagers as to the time of their deliverance. Among these was a group of men in the cabin who, after having read and re-read the morning papers, were casting about for some other method of killing time, one suggested a game of cards. Cards, laughed one of his companions in misery. Who'd carry cards on a ferry boat? Who, outside of a lunatic asylum, would start on a ten minutes voyage provided with games to pass away the time? Here is a euchre deck which is at your service. The speaker, evidently a globetrotter, drew from under the bench a traveling bag, so much worn and embellished by tags, labels, and hieroglyphics, that it resembled some old veteran just returned from the wars and still covered with surgeon's plasters. From this he produced a pack of cards, and tendered it to the man who had suggested a game. Uh, certainly, if you will join us. But what shall we do for a table? Here is a camp-stool, said the man of the world. And in a moment, four men were sitting around it, cutting for deal, which had chanced to fall to the stranger. The cards were distributed rapidly, and the dealer was about to turn the trump, when a loud shriek pierced the air, and a woman opposite suddenly sank, fainting, to the floor. The tension among the passengers had become so great that a panic seemed imminent. 
"'Don't be alarmed, gentlemen. It is nothing,' said the dealer calmly. "'The lady simply caught sight of her own frightened face in the mirror, "'and the shock caused her to faint. "'It reminds me of a thrilling experience an American traveller had "'while bumping through Syria. "'But, pardon me, the game!' "'Once more he made a movement to turn the trump, "'when one of the party exclaimed, "'There can't be a better time or place than this "'for telling a thrilling experience.' "'Yes,' said another. "'Do give us some other kind of bumping than we are having here. "'Let's have the story before we begin the game.' "'The stranger leaned back, passed his cigar case, "'and having lighted a weed himself, began. "'It is an unwritten law among the wild Bedouins east of the Red Sea "'that if an infidel traveller is attended on his journey by one of the faithful, "'he is safe from the attacks of Mohammedan robbers. "'As long as the Frank as all foreigners are called, is under the protection of the star and crescent, the rascal's hand is stayed, and as they meet, the villain, who would otherwise show no quarter, salutes with the grave suavity of a courtier. But let that same traveller become separated from the Arab guard that he has bribed to give him safe conduct through his own bandit-infested country, and he becomes legitimate prey. He will be plundered and perhaps killed, or worse, if the robber thinks that cruelty will extort any secrets of hidden spoil, tortured or held for ransom, with each day's delay losing a few fingers, which are forwarded to the captive's friends to signify that the rascals mean business. The party in which this American was travelling had been entering Syria from the south, and were progressing some twelve days from the sacred base of Old Sinai. At a place called Beresheba, on the regular caravan route to and from Mecca, from the north, they heard of some interesting archaeological treasures just unearthed some two days' journey to the east, and having made the detour, the party snugly encamped by the side of a beautiful stream under the shadow of the Tubal chain of mountains. The treasures were vastly exaggerated, as is the custom with everything oriental, and they soon determined to turn back to the caravan route and bump up on into Syria bumping being the familiar term for camel-riding, and a very expressive word at that. But on the afternoon of the first resting day, someone suggested a jaunt to a famous old well, where it was said were some very ancient tumuli. But knowing the Bedouins to be conscientious liars, and sick of this unrewarded chase for phantom treasures, the American begged to be left behind in charge of the two tents, which were pitched side by side on the bank of the stream. This was at last agreed upon, the whole party except himself going off on their three days' trip, leaving their comrades stretched at full length on the rug, his nageli, or water-pipe, lighted for company. This oriental atmosphere, gentlemen, is a powerful drug. Do what you will to fight against it, its subtle charms hold you captive. The man succumbed to its influences, and went fast asleep. Out of this sweet, trance-like repose, he suddenly bounded into the horrible consciousness of a torturing pain in one of his hands, as though some wild beast was crunching the bones. But, as he writhed to his knees to grapple with the foe, he saw instead three swarthy, evil-faced Bedouins bending over him with ghoulish glee. One had just cut off, with a hideous dirk-knife, the first three fingers of his left hand, in an instant it flashed upon him that these were to be sent to his friends with a demand for ransom. He was correct in this supposition, for no sooner had the bleeding hand been rudely bandaged 
than two of the captors set out upon this mission, leaving him in the care of the third, who was heavily armed. No one knew better than the prisoner how impossible such a ransom would be. His fellow travelers had brought as little money into Syria as would meet their actual necessities while there. He therefore began to cast desperately about in his mind for a loophole of escape before the fellow should return with these unsatisfactory tidings, which would result, no doubt, in further mutilations. As his gaze swept the tent for something suggesting a plan for deliverance, he saw it had been gutted of everything except two articles, his light silk coat, which hung upon the partition between the two tents, and the tourist shaving mirror which it concealed. The coat had been overlooked because it was as grimy as the tent wall itself. In moments like this, one grasps at straws. As it is said, a drowning person reviews his past experiences perfectly in a brief moment. So to this man, facing desperate odds, came a desperate suggestion. He called loudly on a supposed protector in the adjoining tent to come to the window, and proved to his captor that he was under protection of a Moslem. As he spoke, he slowly drew the coat from before the mirror in front of which the sheik was standing. No words can express the unutterable consternation pictured upon that blazing face, livid with fright and wonder, as for the first time it saw its own awful reflection, not knowing it was its own. An instant he stood stock still, fascinated, horrified, overwhelmed, then collapsed, just as that lady did but a moment ago, and the American quickly possessed himself of his captor's arms and was master of the situation. And now, gentlemen, concluded the storyteller, we will have our game. As he spoke, he again reached forward to turn the trump. There was a quickly drawn breath of horror from those who observed him, for the first three fingers of his left hand were missing. Before he could turn the card, a savage lurch of the boat, accompanied by the creaking of timbers, announced the arrival of the Rappahannock at her New York slip, and the trump was never turned. End of Section 2 Recording by Todd